0: Right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 445. It's just me and Jason today. Uh, We've kind of had a powwow and decided we're going to try to do uh, like we used to, more old school me and Jason shows, or Jason and I shows, however that's supposed to go for people who speak properly. Anyhow, today we're going to be covering Tycho Brahe. Tycho Brahe is a hero of mine. He did what I did. He's just a lot smarter than I am, and he did it a lot longer than I did. Uh, He did real observation. As a matter of fact, he set the standard for all astronomy to come. Wait for it. He had 777 stars that he did what he did with. One of the things that he did was he created a way to place them precisely and then be able to come back anytime in the future and show where that star resides. That's a big deal. That set the standard for what we call astronomy into the future. The only problem is we didn't get Tycho Brahe. What we got was one of his, I always call him a whipping boy just to make fun of him, Kepler, who didn't know how to use Brahe's tools, uh, who ended up either stealing or inheriting the work of Brahe, and he never spent time observing the sky. Rahi spent much of his life doing that. We also got Copernicus, again, who admittedly never observed the sky. It was all theoretical. So that's why we're doing this to try to put some sanity back into a world that has cast out the people trying to tell the truth and introduced theoretical people who just made things up.
1: Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a lovely good morning. All right. I am on the edge of a
0: cold. You're on the edge of a cold. Let's see if we can do this.
1: All right. Tycho Brahe, his birth name was Tyge or Tyg, not sure quite how that goes down, Ottoson Brahe, and he came into this world on December 14th, 1546, and he lived until October 24th of 1601. He was a Danish astronomer who became very well known for his accurate and comprehensive astronomical observations. He was born in Scania, an area which became part of the country of Sweden in the next century. Tycho was famous in his lifetime and had a strong reputation as an astronomer, an astrologer, and an alchemist. He has been described as the first competent mind in modern astronomy to feel ardently the passion for exact empirical facts. The observations he made of the night sky are generally considered to be the most accurate for his era, which was a time before the invention of the telescope. His work would be used as a basis for other astronomers' research.
0: All right, so we are told that this was all going down before telescopes came on the scene. Uh, The thing here that you've got to realize is he figured it all out. He was using tubes and ways to measure the sky, setting up coordinates, doing all this. And he even calculated aberration for seeing all kinds of things that he did. But here's the main point. Not only was he an astronomer, he was also an astrologer because the two things meant the same thing back then. He was also an alchemist. So from my point of view, he was thinking in a way that nature confirms is a workable system. In other words, not trying to theoretically make things up to make equations work out or whatever it might be. Here's. Part of why this is a big deal. He was aristocracy and it was beneath aristocracy to roll up their sleeves and do work like this. And he did it anyhow. As a matter of fact, if you read his biography, like uh, Tycho Brahe mapping the heavens or something, the measure of the heavens, I think is the last book I read on him. What you'll find is they tried to pull him away from this time and time again, but his fate would have it. He pulled it off and eventually he got backed by some pretty high-powered guys, and actually built a place, built some of the earliest observatories for the modern era. But make no mistake, this guy is the benchmark for all astronomy to follow. So how in the heck is it that he's a footnote at best? Uh, We get pointed to Kepler and Copernicus, and they never looked at the sky for any amount of time that mattered.
1: By the way, he was an alchemist at a time when the Catholic Church looked down upon such things as a big no-no.
0: Right. And in some ways, he held himself religiously apart, it appears, according to a couple of the biographies I've read. But to be able to meld astronomy and astrology, and then on top of it, alchemy, what more could you ask for in a sane world where nature is what nature is? It's all the truth we can ever be exposed to, and it's the measuring stick for everything. This guy had it all. The only thing he didn't have was modern telescopes.
1: That would be the next generation. That would. Tycho was born into a highly aristocratic and extremely wealthy family. His father was Ate Brahe, a member of the royal court. His mother was B.T. Billy, who was also an important aristocrat. Tycho was the second of the couple's 12 children. Interestingly, when Tycho was only two years old, he was kidnapped by his uncle and aunt, Jorgen Brahe and Inger Oxe, while his parents were away from home. Tycho's uncle and aunt were childless, and they believed that Jorgen was entitled to a lawful son and heir to his estates. Tycho's natural parents eventually agreed to this, so Tycho was raised by his uncle and aunt as if he were their own son.
0: A bit of coincidence going on here, and since we all know there is no coincidence in this world, had this not happened, almost certainly Tycho would not have been able to roll up his sleeves and do what they considered menial labor. And it's hard to imagine that something like astronomy would be considered menial labor, but it was. He had to build his own tools. He had to redesign them time and time again. He had to come up with coordinate systems and he had to lay down a almost boot camp like methodology for doing this. And on top of that, he was constantly fighting the weather. But at the end of the day, to cut to the chase, We are told he handed us 777 stars, which become the basis for everything of modern
1: astronomy. The Brahe family were well-connected, considered quite powerful, and had a militaristic nature. It was normal at that time for the male children to become warriors who would serve the interests of the royal family and the nobility of Denmark. Tycho, however, did not become a warrior. He instead received an academic education. His mother, who came from an academic family, convinced her husband for the break of tradition. So again, we have another
0: coincidence that's not a coincidence, but actually the war-like atmosphere around the male aristocracy will come into this story later because Tycho loses a piece of his body in a fight. We'll cover that in a little bit. But here again, we have the second big event that makes possible what happened. What I'm getting at, it's almost like Um, The hand came down from above and pointed at him and said, you're going to be the guy. Unfortunately, that same hand didn't maintain what he gave us, and it got buried by modern tradition, modern history, which, as we know, is mostly a lie agreed upon. And what we did get were two basically frauds. And I call them frauds because how can you claim to be describing where it is we exist in the scheme of things when you've never done observation time and everything you're handing us is a theory? And everybody's heard my law of theories. The longer it exists, the less it's worse, less it's worth. And over time, it basically tends to get used as propaganda in support of scientism. Well, welcome to our age. And go ahead, look up the leading names in astronomy from the older times. Kepler and Copernicus will be on that list. Brahe is a footnote at best.
1: There was also the Catholic Church to deal with at the time, and also the Danish Royalty later on in his life, didn't look too favorably upon him. So who knows if anything got skewed?
0: It's an interesting point, Jason, because if you look at some of the woodcuts and other artwork we got of Vatican-centric nature of things back then, we start to see the globe be hanging around a lot. And as we know, what did Copernicus give us? Well, the sun's at the center of everything. Here's the thing about Tycho. Tycho gave us what I accept to be the the true layout of the so-called Solar system. Um, I don't have a better word to use it. So I'll just say solar system. The layout of the luminaries, Tycho gave it to us and I'll explain that in a little bit. But part of our luminary system is centered on the earth, the immediate spheres beyond that starts to center on the sun. And Tycho laid all this out and I'll get into this, but everyone should know Rudolf Steiner in the early 1900s reaffirmed what Tycho laid down. Those are two men that I listen to when they speak.
1: Tycho began school between the age of six or seven, starting with a grammar school where he most likely learned the classical languages, mathematics, as well as the Lutheran religion. In April of 1559, Tycho, now being 12 years old, was enrolled at the University of Copenhagen. There, he studied a general classical curriculum for three years, during which time he became increasingly interested in the field of astronomy. He purchased several important astronomical books of the time, which included Johannes de Sacrobosco's On the Spheres, Peter Abian's Cosmography, and Regiomantis' Trigonometry.
0: So some of these are over my head. I didn't take the time to see if these books are available anywhere. I would be surprised if you can't get at least one or two of them. But as far as trigonometry, as I've said so many times, math doesn't work in my mind like it does in most people's minds. To calculate it out, I'm not your guy. As a matter of fact, without my wife, I might have trouble balancing my checkbook. I'm being a little facetious. But here again, we learn that he's a Lutheran, and this is how he is held apart from the Vatican. Uh, in some respects. And this is an important part of things too. If I had to guess, and I'm casting an educated guess, in this period of time, give or take centuries, one or two, I don't know, um, you're going to start seeing the globe all the time. And by the time Copernicus gets trotted out, you can see what's happened. They fashioned what they want the human mind to accept as true. And that's what's going to hit every book, until our time, mostly, or the ones that end up in school and university and the places where people are supposedly taught things that matter.
1: Tycho's interest in astronomy solidified with a solar eclipse that occurred on August 21st, 1560. In Copenhagen, this eclipse was only slightly noticeable, with less than half of the sun being covered. However, what impressed Tycho's young mind was not its spectacle, but because of the prediction that astronomers had made as to when it would occur. Tycho became enthralled and wanted to learn how he, too, could make such predictions of the heavens.
0: This is one thing that's vexed me, because over and over in the accounts you can read of Tycho, and actually some of them are written by his home country, ported over into English, and in his home country he's a hero. So I'm not sure over there what they might be told, and I I don't know how that works at all, because Tycho's saying something totally different Kepler and Copernicus, which is in every textbook I'm aware of. So in his home country, are they celebrating what he did or are they acting like, well, he tried, but he didn't quite get it right? I don't know. But there had to have been great records of eclipses and I just didn't come across them. I came by partial things. And as I've said so many times, eclipses are key. They are the big signpost in the sky clock that measure off Periods of time, and maybe even tell you this period of time has closed. But what's more is when we have solar and lunar eclipses, it's almost like there's two, even more than two. There's all these inner gears working to mark things off. It's almost like the old Mayan thing. You know how they have so many calendars that work like a gear? How is it that we only have one calendar? We should at least have two, right? One for the year, one for the month or the month. But these eclipses are key. And anyone who went back and read The Worship of Augustus Caesar by the author called Del Mar, you won't walk away looking at eclipses in the same way. They they had all these cycles, and when this eclipse happened, they knew where they were in the cycle, they knew when they began, they knew when they ended, and they were big deals in the scope of life at that time. And we've lost all that now, as far as I know.
1: In March of 1562, with Tycho now being 15, he was enrolled at the University of Leipzig in Germany, where he once again followed a classical curriculum. He was supervised there by Anders Bedell, a well-educated 21-year-old Danish native. Bedell had been appointed by Tycho's foster parents, who had decided Tycho's future career would be as a legal advisor at the royal court. Bedell was tasked with keeping the young Tycho on the straight and narrow, due to him being a rather headstrong individual but he did not succeed. Tycho continued to devote as much time as he could, secretly, to astronomy. Utilizing what little he had to work with, which amounted to no more than a basic hand-sized celestial sphere and some string, Tycho discovered that tables of predictions of planet positions that had been sourced from the works of Ptolemy and Nicholas Copernicus were, in fact, rather unsatisfactory.
0: All right, there's some key points to be made here. Now, the Ptolemy, this goes when when you talk about Ptolemy, you're starting to get back to the historical edge that we can reach for. You can't go a lot further, so we're told, whether or not that's true, but from what I have studied and read, the Vatican latches on to Ptolemy's work. So basically what's going on here is Tycho begins to realize what I realized when I started looking through my scope. Hey man, what I'm being told doesn't jive with what I'm seeing. So he's noticing how can these famous names like Copernicus and Ptolemy be making predictions that aren't accurate? I'm not satisfied with it. But here again, fate steps in. He's supposed to be pushed into the royal court. And this is another thing that could have stopped what happened, but it didn't. Almost like Mr. Tycho Brahe was meant to do what he did, and that's a stupid thing to say, maybe because we're all meant to do what we do, I think, probably. But the last thing I'll mention on this bullet point is he's being taught by a 20-year-old Danish man how much more quickly they had to grow up. The males in this society were men at a very young age, probably still in their teens, and the serious nature of their everyday lives, their civilization lives, their interactions, it was so serious compared to what we live now,
1: just to make the point. Well, we're talking about at a time when people had a lot of children because a lot of the very young ones might not survive past the age of five.
0: There is that idea written into a lot of the text, but as we see here, there were a lot of Brahi children and Now that I'm going to be honest about it, I don't remember hearing about any of them dying, but I think maybe one or two of them do. I just don't recall because I was very focused on Tycho. Um, I don't have many heroes in my life, but Tycho is one of them, which is in a way is ridiculous because he lived so long ago. How do I get around the legend? Well, I really can't get around the legend. But what I can do is I can accept what was offered. I can accept that he did the live astronomical observations, but more than anything, for him to at least minimally have handed us what I consider to be the most correct so-called solar system, that's a big deal because what's going on in our world now is everyone's questioning, where are we? Is this place spinning? Is this place flat? Are we truly spinning around the sun? Well, Brahe was quoted as saying, the earth stands fast. Talk about telling the truth. This is a time when the Vatican is starting to create globes and say, oh, we we don't spin around the earth like we thought we did all these years. Now we spin around the sun. This kind of transition is going on. And here's a man who stood up and told it like he saw it. And from my point of view, it's as close to right as we can get at right now.
1: In August of 1563, with Tycho now being all of 16, he began his first of many logbooks of his astronomical observations. He observed a 1-in-20-year conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, and noting once again where there were errors in both Copernicus's and Ptolemy's predictions. The Copernican tables were several days off for the prediction of the conjunction. With Ptolemy's data tables, it turned out to be incorrect by a month, Tycho now made it his goal to produce accurate predictions of planetary positions that would be based on accurate observations. In April of 1564, Tycho, now being 17, purchased a cross-staff to make his observations. The cross-staff was rather large, and so his supervisor, no doubt, was aware that Tycho had been utilizing so much of his time with astronomical observations. Tycho did not care, however, making the decision— that astronomy would be his life's work. And he has to defend that decision time and time again, but he pulls it off
0: almost 100% of the time. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes here. The one in 20-year conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn is a big damn deal. In the modern era, most of us know nothing about it. If I'm not mistaken, and I didn't look this up before I sat down, but I remember it occurring to me as we went into Covidius Minimus that it was coinciding not too far from this 20-year conjunction. If you consider what that means every 20 years this happens the average person is going to see three of these in a lifetime maybe so it's almost like a generational marker i think most people want to put a generation at 25 years which seems a little off to me i guess i would put it at 30 but i think it's measured at about 20 25 years so basically this sky clock conjunction is pointing out that division of time in a very real, in a very influential way. And we've lost track of how important this mini cycle is. And just think about what I'm saying. This is one tiny mini year, mini cycle, A 20 year cycle has nothing to do with all the, you know, every year we're going to have eclipses and partial eclipse, solar, lunar, all these cycles had meaning and value. This is what we need to get back to. So, the Copernican tables were several days off. Well, what does that tell you about what Mr. Theoretical, the Earth is in, or the Sun is in the center of everything, Mr. Copernicus? What's it tell you about his systems? They're wrong, right? How can you be several days off on a prediction of a major event like a conjunction of the two biggest luminaries of the time? How can you be off? If you are off by that much, it means your calculations, your theories don't hold water. So Tycho picks it up. And how old is he here? He's 16 years old when he starts doing this. Um, This is a big deal. And also consider this. Think of how sharp your mind was when you were 16 years old. In my 16-year-old lifetime, I wasn't serious yet. So I had the sharpness of mind to do things, but I squandered it. So here's Tycho at 16, aiming it. All that ability of a 16-year-old mind that's learning and sharp and so reflexive, uh, he's aiming it at what he's going to do for the rest of his life. And it starts by realizing Copernicus is
1: wrong. In the summer of 1565, Tycho returned to Denmark, where his stepfather Jorgen had been in the process of making Tycho his actual legal heir. However, a war with Sweden intervened in the process, with Jorgen being appointed as vice-admiral of the Danish fleet. He died of pneumonia in the summer of 1565 after falling into the water. Tycho did not inherit anything because the paperwork that would have made him Jorgen's legal heir was incomplete. Danish law stated that everything went in trust to his foster mother. When she would later pass away in 1591, Jorgens' estates were distributed among the entirety of the Brahe family. So there's a few
0: things here. I think most people would think of this time where the oldest male was always the heir, or the heir, the first miss here in Tycho's life to actually have resources to pursue the astronomy and astrology that he loves so dearly uh, was truncated right here. Uh, He didn't get the resources, so he's still going to have to make do the best he can. As time goes on, his situation does change, and he's hiring some pretty high-powered metal workers to improve and re-improve his tools. And some of these tools get pretty massive, considering there's not a lens in any of them mostly tubes and measurements, crosshairs, all kinds of things like this. We can only imagine what Tycho could have done with, say, a 20-inch telescope.
1: In April of 1566, Tycho arrived back in Germany, now being 19 years old. One December night, he got into an argument with another student, his third cousin, Menderup Parsberg. The cause of the argument has been lost to history. It has been claimed at times that they were arguing about which of them was the better mathematician, but this seems to be no more than a myth. Alcohol consumption almost certainly played a part in the dispute, as Tycho enjoyed both dining and drinking heartily. After continued disagreements, the two students fought a duel with swords. Tycho lost, which resulted in him losing the front of his nose, as well as picking up a permanent scar on his forehead. He received the best of care at the university, and the two combatants would eventually reconcile. A year later, Tycho returned to Denmark, where he began experimenting with metal fittings to disguise the disfigurement of his nose. He would wear a metal prosthetic for the rest of his life, possibly made of silver or gold, and thought to be kept in place with some sort of paste or glue. In November of 2012, Danish and Czech researchers reported that the prosthetic was actually made of brass after chemically analyzing a small bone sample taken from the nose when Tycho's body was exhumed in 2010. The prosthetics made of gold and silver were mostly worn for special occasions rather than everyday wear.
0: You know, this is where when you're reading an account of someone who existed supposedly so long ago, what damn difference does it make? You know, we're sitting here trying to take bone samples to find out if the man's fake nose was this metal or no, what damn difference does it make? This is not the contribution that Tycho gave us, but everybody should know this part of the story. He got in a sword fight, which tells you something about the times he's even related to the guy he's getting the fight with. He loses his nose, a pretty major part of it. And you'll notice that in the few pictures that we have or renditions of what he may have looked like at the time. But it certainly made him stand out for the rest of his
1: life. In April of 1567, Tycho returned home to Denmark with a firm intention of becoming an astrologer. His family supported his decision to dedicate himself to what was considered the sciences at the time. By the end of 1567, Tycho, now being 21 years old, left Denmark again for a tour of both Germany and Switzerland. Tycho's family allowed him to travel to Rostock and then to Augsburg, to Basel, and to Freiburg.
0: All right, a couple things here. Here's where you see modern history trying to work its will on you. Oh, he's going to just study astrology. Other way around, folks. Astrology precedes astronomy, if you want to be honest about it. So he wouldn't start to have that intention. It would have been built into what he was doing. I'm not even sure if there would have been a word like an astronomy. Um, It would have all been astrology. And by the way, there would have been a rich tradition handed forward from, you know, the recesses of eons. Who even knows? And by the way, this man was born two days before me in December. And as I began to think about all these things, I realized that he started uh, doing his work that we call astronomy with a solid astrological base. And by the way, we just talked about this 20 year conjunction with the two giant luminaries that would have had meaning that is also probably lost to us now, or at least most of us. There may be some sidereal or tropical astrologers who are getting a good handle on what this conjunction means because all these things are now coming back into human consciousness as we wake up from our long slumber.
1: In 1568, he was appointed as a canon at the Cathedral of Roskilde. This was a largely honorary position, one that would allow him to focus on his studies. The spring of 1569 is when he arrived in Augsburg. There, he would spend 14 months learning how to make high-precision astronomical instruments and would go on to build a great quadrant there. His ambition was to build quality instruments that would allow him to make observations true to within one arc minute or one-sixtieth of a degree. Now, I think
0: I would argue a little bit. I think it might have been more precise than this, but it's hard to prove. In some of the accounts I read, the things he did were astonishing, given the tools that he had. But look, again, fate steps in. He's got enough money to travel. He goes and he meets metalsmiths and artisans of all kinds. And so here he has the opportunity to begin making high-precision instruments for astronomy and astrology that didn't exist prior. And that's also forgotten in most modern histories. I guess when the telescope got invented, none of this mattered anymore.
1: At the end of fifteen seventy, he was informed of his father's ill health, so he returned to Nutstorp Castle, where his father died on may ninth, fifteen seventy one. Tycho inherited the estates of his father and of his uncle Jorgen. The war with Sweden was over, and the Danish lords soon returned to prosperity. Soon another uncle, Steen Billy, helped him build an observatory and alchemical laboratory at Haravad Abbey.
0: All right, let's just, let's state the obvious here. So he's just now getting back into astronomy and he's building an alchemical, you know, an alchemical laboratory. Alchemy was the only game in town for medicine and other things, probably. And that has always been tied to the sky clock certainly the seasons, absolutely the seasons. Uh, We have quotes from further back than this, that all good alchemical procedures begin in the spring and follow the sky clock, one, one aspect or another. So here again, we see modern... Historical accounts trying to work their will. But here again, fate has tipped in Tycho's direction and he's got money and resources now. And so he's going to build observatories. He's going to tie it up. It's almost amazing to think about probably what was going on there that we're never going to hear about because alchemy is never going to be taken seriously by history at this point, when everybody knows that it is the foundation for everything that came later and everything that came later exceeded what nature will accept. Alchemy never did that. And so here we have a man who's starting to get very serious about mapping the stars, proving where they are, making accurate predictions. And for astrology alone, that would have been invaluable. That would mean you could read forward forward With more accuracy than was previously possible, with calculations like Copernicus that are going to end up to be the better part of a week
1: off. And something a lot of folks may not be aware of is that astrology was extremely important to the nobility of the age, not just in Denmark where Tycho was from, but uh, as far as I remember and understand from history, just about all of Europe, they were very much into it and they were trying to outpredict each other and deal with their own situations and getting the most information they could from the astrological predictions.
0: Well, this is the story of why places like France have all that ancient, what we consider ancient alchemy stuff, because the nobility, the kings and queens and lords had the resources to go try to get a hold of these ancient traditions that were written down, a lot of them in Arabia. Before Arabia, probably what is called Greece. These things are hard to know, but we know certainly that Arabia handed forward the alchemy that mostly made it into Europe. And I think it went into the universities of Spain first, at least that's one of the coverages. And so what's actually going on here is that alchemy is being ignored as if it is some antiquated thing. And astrology is being poo pooed because science is better and none of it's true. The reverse of it's true. If you could put alchemy, the sky clock and astrology all together Man, that's the trifecta. Not only is it the trifecta, it is drawn straight from the only place we can get truth in this place, the creation, the natural world. It is what it is, and it is the measure of everything, and it is the driving force, the engine, and the holder of secrets in those three things that I just mentioned.
1: Towards the end of the year 1571, Tycho fell in love with a young woman named Kirsten, the daughter of Jorgen Hansen, the Lutheran minister in Nudstrup. She was a commoner, and so Tycho never formally married her. If he had, he would have lost his noble privileges. Danish law did, however, permit morganatic marriage, which meant that a nobleman and a common woman could live together openly as husband and wife for three years, after which their alliance would become a legally binding marriage. Each, however, would maintain their social status.
0: So later on in the story, I don't know if we'll cover it. This does cause some issues, but think about what it means. Tycho is an aristocrat, but he's not so snobbish as to shun someone because of their class. That speaks to his character, in my view. In other words, his love overruled the social conventions of the time. This does cause some trouble later, but nonetheless, he sticks with it all the
1: way through. And this sort of thing was still a very big deal to Europeans at this point in history.
0: I think so. It's hard to tell, but there is also the difference that these are not Catholic lands that we're talking about. These are, I mean, I don't know how to describe. Everybody knows the difference between the two major faiths, the breakaway faith and the Catholic faith. But it always seems to me that the Catholics were a bit more iron fisted and that may just be my perception. But the point is, is he was an aristocrat. He loved a a woman who was not, and he didn't care. He shunned all the problems and troubles that would cause. And yet there was a thing called a permit of morganatic marriage. So even in society, there was something in place to allow this to happen. So it's hard to know if this was commonplace. But at the end of the day, it tells me that Tycho was no snob. If he was, he would have never looked twice.
1: And also, wasn't it the Catholic Church that was appointing the kings so that they would have the divine right to rule?
0: Well, there's another problem with the history, and we've covered this in other episodes. It is hard to know when the real, what, I I don't even know what is a real, I mean, I, I assume there is some point in time when the blood, the idea of the blood in rulership means something. The Vatican undoes all that. It unseats kings and queens as it fancies, and it replaces them with their stooges, who then begin to be called royal, but they're not royal. How can they be royal? They can't show their lineage back to wherever the heck it was that supposedly God said you're a royal family. Now these ideas are hard to unravel, but it is crystal clear that by the time the Vatican had any clout in the world, they removed kings and queens left and right. A lot of it was done through banking. It was done in other ways. It was done through wars and. Then people were seated. There are tons of people who have attempted to write books to show that this, that, or the other royal family don't have a real royal claim to stand on.
1: Any children that would be born to Tycho and Kirsten would be considered commoners and, therefore, would have no rights to titles, land holdings, coat of arms, or even to their father's noble name. While King Frederick respected Tycho's choice of wife, as he himself had been unable to marry the woman he loved, Many of Tycho's family members disagreed, and many churchmen would continue to hold the lack of a divinely sanctioned marriage against him. Kirsten Jorgen's daughter gave birth to their first daughter, Kirstine, who was named after Tycho's late sister on October 12, 1573. Kirsten would die from the plague in 1576, with Tycho writing a heartfelt elegy for her tombstone, In 1574, they would move to Copenhagen, where their daughter Magdalene was born, and later the family followed him into exile. Kirsten and Tycho would live together for almost 30 years until Tycho's death. Together, they would have eight children, six of whom survived to adulthood.
0: So there's a picture emerging here about Tycho's ability to decide on a thing and stick with it, and the marriage just backs it. It did cause trouble, and he, he deals with this through his whole life, near the end of his life, trying to figure out how can he inherit down to his children and others who are not considered to be aristocratic. But that's not really part of the story we're telling. Well,
1: it also seems there was a substantial amount of money involved at this point since he got two estates, not just one.
0: Well, that's right, and it goes on from there. It actually builds bigger. Um, he ends up well. We'll get to it in the story. But what's more is he's accumulating all these records, which people are beginning to recognize have high, high value. These are the best that can be had anywhere. Think of all the astrologers that must have wanted in on that, or or any number, even the alchemists. Think of all the people that would have recognized the value of the records he's been keeping for decades and decades. Not to mention the instruments, but Interestingly enough, the instruments are, they they act like they got inherited to Kepler. Kepler didn't know how to use them, and so what? They were never used. It's hard to know what actually would have happened, but it's pretty clear that he had a reputation at this point, and what he was doing had drawn the interest all the way up to King's.
1: Moving back in time, Tycho made his first significant discovery on the evening of November eleventh, 1572. Observing the night sky from Heravad Abbey, Tycho was amazed to see a new light that was brighter than Venus in the sky. Remember that all of his observations were made with the naked eye alone at this time. He would study this new heavenly body for a year. After the observations, he concluded that it must be a star because, unlike closer bodies such as the planets, its position relative to the other stars did not change.
0: What I wouldn't give to have the actual ideas that he wrote down about this event. What I wouldn't give. Can you imagine a light appearing in the sky brighter than Venus? There's really nothing brighter than Venus in the sky unless you want to talk about a very full moon. Um, And sometimes that's not even going to be brighter. It's just by dint of its size or the sun. Venus is a piercing diamond in the sky. And for a seasoned naked eye to observer to say, I saw a new point of light come in the starry heavens that was brighter than Venus is a big deal. And I'm almost certain we didn't get the real accounts that he must, have, the ideas that he had, because no one's even heard of what he's saying the solar system is, which I accept is probably correct at this point. It's interesting that he does it on 1111. Which brings me, you know, this is going to come out pretty soon. I imagine, so here in 2022, we're coming into the 11th month before long, November. For those who haven't looked forward, there's going to be a full lunar eclipse for certain parts of the country. I would be very surprised if this wasn't leveraged off by the next shoe drop and everybody knows what I'm referring to. Only time will tell if my suspicions are correct. But if my suspicions are correct, what does that tell you about the influence of the sky clock, which goes unrecognized in news, in history, in all these things? It was not unrecognized in Tycho's time. This discovery of a new light brighter than Venus would have been such a major deal. And I wish I could know what Tycho thought about it. That's all I can say, because I don't feel like I do. I feel like it got scrubbed.
1: And let's not forget how important Venus was to these folks that was named Lucifer. Well, there's there's so much.
0: And if you want to go by Rudolf Steiner, he's making the claim and it's confusing. I'm, I'm almost choosing not to cover it at this point because I don't know how to deal with it. Steiner saying that back in the day, they reversed the labels and probably the symbols for Mercury and Venus probably. So the initiated could know things that the uninitiated didn't. That's the only reason I could come up, but how do you ever talk about that? So are you saying it came up to our time? Are you trying to imply that Venus is actually Mercury? And at one time I started thinking about it and since it's all the human consciousness, but the truth is, is everything we've ever seen written has to be Venus. The brightest thing that we're seeing. Um, you've even heard me talk to guests like host to get their point of view and their All saying the same thing. The brightest thing has to be Venus, the morning star and the evening star, Lucifer, so many ideas tied up in it. But again, back to the point here can you imagine being a sky watcher and seeing a star appear in the sky, or what I'll just call a star um, that becomes brighter than Venus? I mean, what are they going to call it now? A supernova? What will they say now? They'll just make up something that nobody can confirm or deny, and NASA and universities will put their stamp on it. Well, if we could only get a peek at what Tycho must have written about this truly, and maybe we can't, maybe it's just my limited reading. I read three books on this, so maybe it is out there somewhere, but I would be so interested to know Tycho's thoughts on this event. And I think he called it De Nova Stella or the new star. So even if that is correct, that's telling because he's referring to it as a star. So now when we begin to think, well, what are the stars, the star fields? And by the way, if you want to follow Tycho's model, most of them that I've seen put the star fields all the way out beyond what we would call a solar system uh, right before God, which would be the next thing out, divinity, which permeates everything. But these ideas are huge. What is a star? I mean, do we know what a star is? We know what we're told. They're a million, billion, gazillion, trillion, million, zillion, trillion light years away, but we can see them. What are they really? Are those souls? Are they apertures in a dark field letting light through? What are they? I want to know. I'm guessing everyone listening wants to know. What I do know is what NASA said is poppycock. That's all I know. And that's a hell of a position. But we do know that Tycho called it a
1: new star in some way, shape, or form. In 1573, Tycho's name would become well-known in astronomical circles when he published De Nova Stella, the new star. Although others had also observed this new star, Tycho published the most comprehensive study of it. His new star gradually faded until, after a year, it was no longer visible to the naked eye. The Latin word nova is still used for stars that suddenly get brighter. It is now known that the new star he was witnessing was actually a supernova. Tycho's discovery was another proverbial nail in the coffin for the worldview that Aristotle held that the heavens beyond the moon were perfect and did not change. The Greek astronomer and mathematician Hipparchus had previously refuted Aristotle's view with his observation of a new star in the year 134 BC.
0: Let's play the game. Words have meaning. So to this day, we hear the word supernova. What do we think? Oh, a star went, you know, supernova, it blew up. Well, let's think about what the word means. It means new. So wait a minute. You're telling me the star is so old that it's getting ready to die and blow up. We're going to call new. It's going to be a super new if I want to translate it directly. You can see the game that gets played here. Uh, Think of the TV show. It's called NOVA. Well, what are they referencing? They're referencing our unimaginative mind stuck on NASA's version of what a NOVA is, but the word means new. So they named their TV show New. These things, you can poke so many holes in them. What is what we call a supernova? How can a new light come in the sky? Some of them get brighter than Venus and then go away. What is it actually? Well, all we know for sure is the word means new. That's about all I know about it.
1: Writing a scientific book and putting it out there for the larger scientific community was a very big deal at that time as well. So the kind of fame he would have had uh, really wouldn't have come to a, a person at that point unless they did some other huge deed to get recognition. So this was a big deal.
0: I would say beyond big deal, beyond rock star, because look what's going on here. He's, you know, Hipparchus, Aristotle, these older names, Ptolemy. This man's coming along and saying, look, these guys weren't getting it right. I'm getting as accurate as we can be for now. And I'm putting in the hours, the months, the years, the decades to do this. And I'm cataloging perfectly and what I said was true today will be true a hundred years from now you can go check my work and I did it without lenses I did it with just ingenuity and solid mathematics if I had to guess he would have been beyond Rock star because he would have probably been viewed as more accurate and therefore sage-like than people like Aristotle right I mean stands to reason at least
1: and a very large amount of patience. Unreal
0: what he did. It's almost like boot camp, like what he did, and he did it in some of the worst conditions you can imagine, according to the things I've read. And basically, you know, a lot of these things where we're talking about, you're looking through a tube, a finely precision built tube that keeps getting longer and longer. That's some of it. Some of it is like these cross things you hold up. But you know, you might even make the argument that the sextant is based on what Brahe laid down. I'm not sure about that, but I guess it stands to reason. To the
1: Western world, the phenomenon that Tycho had been observing was proving to be a disquieting discovery since the intellectual community at this point in time protected itself against the uncertainties of the future with utter confidence in the Aristotelian doctrine of inner and continuous harmony of the whole world. This harmony was ruled by the stars, which were regarded as to be perfect and perpetually unchanging. The notion of a star that could change as dramatically as Tycho had described, together with the reports of the Copernican theory that the sun, as opposed to the earth, was the center of the universe, shook confidence in the immutable laws of antiquity and suggested that the chaos and imperfections of earth were reflected in the heavens. Tycho's discovery and subsequent publication of his observations marked his transformation from a Danish dilettante to an astronomer with a European reputation.
0: All right, History, thanks for trying to shape our mindsets again. Let's keep in mind that he's not an astronomer. He's an astrologer. That idea is going to come later. And when it does come, it's going to put astrology in the back seat. At least that's my point of view. It also holds at arm's length the idea of alchemy, which is tied to all of the above. But here it is. They're trying to hold on to these old Aristotelian ideas uh, that have go back beyond antiquity. And here's a man showing, hey, man, there's a problem with this. But notice how as Tycho is breaking these old ideas, which, by the way, even the old ideas are tied lock, stock and barrel to the sky clock and to nature. Make no mistake. But then we're going to get guys like Copernicus. I don't got to go outside and see what nature has to show me anymore. I'm going to sit here and use fancy math to create what everyone should think about, what everyone should learn. So if this timeline is correct, everybody has just got done assuming Earth is the center of any everything. And Copernicus is now saying, nope, the sun's the center of everything and it all spins. Here's Tycho trying to tell the truth. The Earth stands fast. This immediate solar system centers on Earth. And by the way, Copernicus, I'll give you a baby nod because the outer stuff appears to circle on the sun. Or, you know, we don't have the right words. Orbit, circle, none of it's right. But you, you get what I'm getting. It'll center on the sun. And this is the man that did it all, tried to tell the truth, and almost none of us know
1: anything about him. And for the last point for hour one, Tycho continued with his detailed observations and would often be assisted by his first assistant and student, his younger sister, Sophie. In 1574... Tycho published the observations made in 1572 from his first observatory at Harabad Abbey. He then started lecturing on astronomy, but gave it up and left Denmark in the spring of 1575 to tour other countries. He first visited William IV, landgrave of Hesse Castle's observatory at Castle, then went on to Frankfurt, Basel, and Venice. There, he acted as an agent for the Danish king, contacting artisans and craftsmen whom the king wanted to work on his new palace at Elsinore.
0: So here again, we have Fate giving a nod to Tycho. I mean, he's already an aristocrat, but now he's so well-known, and I'm guessing such a rock star, to use the vernacular that we're familiar with, he's starting to, to rub elbows with some real possibilities here, some real funding. And not only that, think about what the craftsman would have been back in this day. Think of what it would have meant to be a silversmith, a metalsmith, uh, the brass work. Think of the precision of all of it. Well, Tycho is going to put that all to good use along with the funding. And don't get me wrong. His whole life is not all butterflies and roses. Far from it, particularly as we start getting to the end. But in our two We're going to get into some really critical things. I'm going to lay down Tycho's idea, which I accept of how the so-called solar system lays out. I'm going to add to that some clairvoyance ideas about what the spiritual realms are in between. But I will ask the simple question, even though we don't read that Tycho viewed these as spiritual, we know he was an astrologer, we know he was an alchemist, so we know damn well that it was all spiritual realms because that is the essence of alchemy, at least good alchemy. Alchemy that will be remembered through the ages requires the spiritual intent of a living man or a living woman. And this is not really arguable. You see it time and time again. The alchemist always has his altar. He is always praying for guidance and inspiration to the point where I've read it so many times. I constantly pray for guidance and inspiration because I realize that we are special. Human beings do have a spiritual edge, and if we don't tap into it, then maybe we're not getting as far down the road as we could, but here we are with history again, trying to slowly switch the words over to astronomy. They're right in one way because he did lay the foundations, exactly positioning 777 stars, but they're leaving out the most important part, aren't they? The astrology, the science of the stars that had gone back ad infinitum through the eras, probably to forever. And then the alchemy, which proves that these ideas are either workable within the truths that regard, that lie in nature, or they are not. That's what's missing now from science. So as we get into the second hour, we're going to cover a lot of big ideas. Um, Jason, anything you want to add?
1: Yeah, he definitely gets into a lot of bigger concepts as his life goes on and leaves an absolute lasting imprint on history.
0: Did we end up leaving in the Kepler bullet points?
1: There's Kepler stuff at the end. Okay.
0: Because I'd like to kick some mud in that direction if I can. I'm being facetious, but you know how I feel about that. I I would prefer to listen to a man who was true to his intent and did his best to tell us the truth, but it means even so much more when plenty of clairvoyants have nodded and said, this man told you the truth. As a matter of fact, before I was aware of any of this, and I was aware of Brahe, just not to the level I am now. I had begun to consider, what if it is dual? What if some things do center on the sun? I just hadn't been able to work it out because, frankly, I'm not smart enough at math and geometry. I'm just not. That's not where I shine. But anyhow, that's going to bring hour one of episode 445 to a close with Jason Lingren and myself. Uh, We're going to come back in hour two and finish out the coverage of Tycho Brahe, who's as close to a hero as I will ever have for the simple reason that he walked the walk. He dedicated endless hours and people have no idea how hard it is, even with modern telescopes to go out, stay up all night, get all that data in our time. We're editing, we're doing all these things in our time. We're uploading. It's a lifetime. You never have a minute to breathe. And in his time, he didn't have all those things. He had the most basic ingenuity, high end math skills, and probably some records from what we would call the ancients. From my point of view, Tycho did his best to tell us the truth and then history did its best to cover up those truths. Anyhow, hour one is free to everybody at crow777radio.com. C r radiocom crrow seven seven Radio.com. Members know to come log in for the full second half and I hope to see everybody there. With that, I'd like to wish you all a Happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.